<laughs> so that I have decided they have purple. Yes, purple. Okay, good. Okay, good. So, welcome. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, what? What is this? So Crochet. this is uh, yarn. This is called yarn. Actually, sorry. How do we get from this to this, to this guy here? This yeah. lovely. So I could tell unicorn. afterwards that when you learn these basic stitches, uh, doing actually, this is also called, has a name, it's called amigurumi. 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 It's like a Japanese art of doing toys by crocheting. So, yeah, like by learning. And we are watching now a unicorn, unicorn. made in crochet. Yeah. Which is super funny. <laughs> And okay, so holding this. Um... Usually hold it in the right hand. If you're left handed, then you can also hold it into the, in the left okay. hand. And then you have the yarn. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically, usually you start with the chain. Okay. So you would wrap around the yarn around your finger. Mm -hmm. And then you would use the hook. And then you would put the hook under. <laughs> mm -hmm. Under the yarn, no, we're next to your finger. Oh, I see. How many ends do you have that? Just one. So you hold <laughs> the end here with this finger. Yes, oh, okay. correct. Like this? Like this. And then you okay. use the yarn. You put the hook under. Oh, I see. So like next to your finger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but under the ring, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. You can also loosen it a bit. So once you have right. that... <laughs> All right. That's easy. <laughs> yeah, that's really easy. I watched. Yes, I watched, correct. I watched on YouTube how to do crochet, uh, and, and the, it seems relatively easy. So absolutely the bad. other end, which is long, like it doesn't <laughs> end, you okay. have to pull it, like oh. to yourself. So I have, ins uh, this, like and then somehow I get yes. this guy, and, and then somehow... you take out the finger, oh. and then you would have the first loop. And then you kind of make it smaller. By pulling. And this is like a start. Yes, pulling. Okay. So you always work with the end. And then like you would wrap usually the yarn around your finger so that you have like, have it tight. And uh, you would start with a small uh, uh, loop. <laughs> okay. So uh, once you have, so this is the start. And once uh, you start the next loop, you would just basically pull the yarn into the loop and, magic, and that's you one have, you have the the first chain basically. yes the first chain and then you would do the same repeat the same for whatever uh amount and how of do you go you from uh chain in crochet mm -hmm. to like a whole thing like this yes. for instance like how do you wh where is the chain in here because so, i see yeah. it's all it seems to be one <laughs> single piece so for uh, this type of toys, uh, you usually start most of the time with a stitch which is called magic ring. Mm. And then you could either do a chain <laughs> and then make it a ring, mm. like by joining. Okay. Or you could do a magic ring, which is a bit nicer and it's like looks nicer. Okay. You don't really see it. That Okay. Yeah, that's what I was... Uh, like I watch so you usually bit. basically start from here this is usually the start and then you go in rounds hmm. and then from there you expand and it becomes a, yes. a circle kind yes. of thing and then okay that's nice. yeah that's why I came 
it comes out uh, so cute as well, no? Yeah. It's like all like uh, bubbly and rounded. Let's see if it holds back. <laughs> okay. Yes. What's the name again of this uh, uh, unicorn so, that you made? Um, the basic um, name of the toys that are made using crochet, uh, it's called amigurumi. So that is the Japanese uh, art of making toys by mm. crocheting them. Okay. So basically, then, as you no, can see, name, this has a name as well. Uh, the toy? Mm. No, it's just a unicorn. No, you should give it a name. <laughs> I usually give names to my uh, toys, but I usually give them as gifts to my friends and mm. colleagues. Um, so yeah, I usually come up yeah, with a we'll name. Yeah, think about it <laughs> um, in this uh, podcast. We'll figure out if we can find out a name for this. Maybe yeah. related to QA. <laughs> Look, but uh, we're here. Yeah, that's really cool. We'll talk about that more later because that's a passion of yours. Um, but um, you're working as a QE mm-hmm. engineer, correct? Like quality engineer. And um, but for who doesn't know what is QA, what is testing? What what does it mean testing software? Mm-hmm. And why company do that? Yeah. So uh, to put it in simple words, testing um, would be checking a product or a feature that it meets the requirements. So when you build a product, you usually have a requirement. You have an idea, and then you come up with the requirements, how this feature should work or the product. And Which then, is just like a list of things you write down, like should yeah. this, when I open the app or the website, yeah. should this should happen and this other thing should happen. Yeah, okay. something like that. And then testing is the part where someone usually checks that what has been implemented meets the requirements and also one of the main goals of the testing is to find issues before we are releasing the product or the feature to the end users. So finding bugs or problems with the product before the actual customer contacts uh, customer service, right? Before they even get the product, yeah. So you play a bit the role of a customer testing it? Uh, Yeah, I would say that uh, for a quality engineer, it's very important to always keep in mind the user, the mm. end user, how they are using the app or the product, the service, because um, this is how you come up with different user flows, because in the end, it's the user who is using the, the application. As user flow, what do you mean? So like, I don't know, logging the... in and then, for example, oh. making a transfer, a bank transfer. So to... Um... Okay, to, so in, imagine you have, like you're creating a, a new feature that mm-hmm. includes like having an account and a login functionality yeah. into an app. So what we would do is you would go through the login actually once it's done yeah. and make sure that everything is fine. Or Yeah, so like for example, mm-hmm. when a user signs up, that's a user flow, right? You create mm-hmm. a new account, so you need to make sure It's like that part of the, the use of an app, basically. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so you you gotta have a, a lot of skills, right, to do that. You need to be, you need somehow. I feel like this word, having this word in mind, like impersonating the user mm-hmm. a little bit, like trying to think as a customer would do and use the app in this way. But also, I mean, you have to be technical, right? And you have to know, yeah. like, you have to know everything. Almost. Yeah, I would <laughs> no? say that. Yes, what, it's what is like skill? for me, a quality engineer. It's like a mix of everything. It's a mix of product because you have to understand their language. So product has one language of communicating. So it's more like also from a user perspective. And then you have to understand 
the engineer's language, which is usually most of the time very technical, and then they can go into very technical details which product doesn't understand. So product people doesn't don't understand. And you have to be really technical, in my opinion, in order to succeed. So of like course, engineering, yes, knowing engineering details and yeah. how things work underneath. So you have basically like an engineer, like like you, like you a software to, engineer. Yes. But really, the skill set that the software engineer has plus yeah more right plus more because um, yes, of course, maybe you could start without any knowledge, but then it would take you a lot of time to really mm. become professional at it and to really understand how computer science works. So. And you you know people that uh, like people have generally a degree uh, in in most of the that? times yes. So it's not necessarily a degree in computer science. It mm. could be sometimes, I don't know, mathematics physics. or it could be physics or it could be, I don't know, marketing or anything else. Um, but I think it's really important. So it's for me, it's not necessary that you have a degree, like you have a diploma or something, but that you learn about computer science, how it mm. works, what does it mean, uh, like how the backend works, how the frontend works, how the product, like the, the software development lifecycle works. Or all the pieces come together yeah. at some point. Because then you have a bigger understanding of how to target the product or the feature to test it, to find the flaws in the system. And uh, right now you're looking for flaws in uh, the app N26. Yes, correct. For a bank. Yes, is, it's a bank. <laughs> which is, uh, it's exciting. I, I, I also, uh, I also work for a bank for a little bit. It's exciting, but also, um, like I felt a lot of responsibility on my shoulder because when, when you work for an e-commerce or, you know, any, any other app, any other business, uh, it's a bit more relaxed, but when it's about people's money, mm -hmm. Then it becomes tricky. Like if you don't find an issue that a customer will find, and let's say you cannot access your money, they'll get really, really upset. It's not like I cannot buy a T-shirt anymore today and <laughs> do it tomorrow because the website doesn't work. It's like I don't have the possibility to use my own money. So I guess yeah. it's yeah. quite tricky, no? It is tricky, especially since N26 is a mobile bank, so hmm. we don't have uh, physical branches. So let's say if the app doesn't work. For a traditional bank, you could still go to a branch and solve your mm. problems, right? And here it's so critical because we don't have the physical branches. And if something goes wrong, then you cannot log in, for example, to your app. You're going to start panicking as a user mm -hmm. because as you don't know what's do, happening. Right? Yeah. yeah. And like, of course, things happen, yeah. <laughs> like bugs yeah, happen, issues happen. But uh, as an engineering team, I think uh, it's our goal to minimize this issue is happening on the live users and find them early. And um, um, there are, you were telling me that there are, the, the way in, in which software is tested is, has changed in the last couple mm. of years, I guess, like, and it is also the case in N26. Like, as I remember, and as I see most of the time in different companies where I work with, uh, testing comes at the end of the process. So mm -hmm. there is, you know, stakeholders, management that says, oh, we need this, or customers need something, then it gets built, engineers are building it, they write their own test, mm -hmm. and then it comes to you, 
as a tester and then you make sure that everything is fine, right? But yeah. this is not the case anymore. Yeah. This is changing. Right? So uh, over the past 10 years that I have been uh, in this field, I have seen it evolve uh, in several ways. So when I started, it was I was part of a quality control team, which basically, like, it's also very, very traditional and old way of doing uh, testing and quality. I like this word, quality control. Yeah, exactly. So control, yeah. it's like you have a team usually that receives the product or the feature in the very last stages of the life cycle. Mm -hmm. And then they would perform a set of tests and then find issues. Most of the times, I mean, I haven't seen in my life a, a time when you would get something to test and you would not find some issues. Wow. So this means that uh, developers will have to do some bug fixes if mm. they're critical or maybe the product or the feature would have to be redesigned completely and that is like wow. additional time additional effort and in the end it's like additional costs for the company and a massive context switch yeah, for exactly. everyone right for you for the developer yeah. for management everybody has to then go back to that yeah rethink it wow. and then uh, after some years uh, there was this quality assurance, so also the name of mm. the roles change because it evolves. And then this is where uh, the quality engineers were involved much earlier into development process, mm -hmm. also like in planning. Like at which stage would that be? Yeah, so like from planning, okay. from the like early planning, and throughout the development life cycle, working with developers and. So it's kind of now moving uh, much earlier, but also the problem with the quality assurance, which is also very often in many companies, mm -hmm. is that the main responsibility for quality and testing lies on the quality assurance engineers. So it's like mm -hmm. developers like develop the feature and then they give it to you to test it. Okay. And then you have to say it works or it doesn't work, here are the bugs and so on. So we are seeing this is how quality, it was before. Yeah, quality okay. gatekeepers. And when I joined N26, um, uh, it also started to go through this hyper growth mm -hmm. where we would hire what is a that lot. What is hyper growth? So like uh, hiring. hiring a lot of employees, getting a lot of more users and like developing much faster mm. also. And it's a bit more chaotic can be at times because you hire a lot of new people and then you don't have time maybe to explain to everyone how things work, what are the processes. So yes, we have documentation in place, but mm. it's difficult. And this is when uh, we started to move to this new methodology called quality engineering, where um, the we like the quality engineer would help the team build a quality product and deliver a quality product. So we'd try to build the quality into the product from the early beginning. So mm. it's quite similar to what a quality assurance engineer would do, mm -hmm. but the main principle of quality engineering is that quality is a shared responsibility within mm. the team. So it's not quality engineers responsible so for it's, the quality and it's, testing. It's just part of the process as a whole. Yeah. From the beginning to the end, but even um, in, uh, in in the requirements, right? Yeah. So, so writing the requirements. Yeah. We're very active in, in like uh, writing the requir requirements with the product people. 
because uh, at the requirement phase, we can already identify some potential issues and address them before we start working on a feature. So maybe you can figure out that the feature would actually be problematic. Almost guaranteed yeah. it's going it to break for some sense. reason or it doesn't make sense. So for example, mm -hmm. how many users mm -hmm. are affected by this change? Does it make sense to do such a big change for a small percentage of user or not? Or have, you, have we thought or about... Or people can uh, just break out. If a, a feature suddenly is missing because it's dropped, like, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, and it happened in the past. Yes. That like some feature were just removed, maybe used for a small quantity of people, but they were just yeah. you know, freak out over it. And maybe it made sense for the business, it made sense for the majority of the customers, but not for them. And you maybe in, yeah. the, in that case, you will step in and be like, hmm. Yeah. You know, this has to be communicated. So that's well. why also it's important we have at 1026 also user researches researchers and then they do testing with the users of mm. like the features that we plan to maybe build mm -hmm. and then we invite some users like real users of the app from different backgrounds and then uh, like there is a special team that takes care of this and then they present to those users like potential features and then they ask them how like what do they think this feature is because they don't explain it. They just try to see how the users react mm. to the features. Would this be a good feature? Does it make sense for them? So this is also like really good before like starting to build a feature to understand does it make sense for the users? Who are we building That's this for? That's really cool, yes. Yeah, and um, also it, it makes me think that at that point for a company such that planning becomes much more complex. Like, mm -hmm. you cannot just say, oh, we're going to release this feature, we're going to do it, it's going to take that much time. At this <laughs> point, you have, you know, the UX, the testing yeah. before with few customers, making sure that it, it may work. Then after this assumption is confirmed, then testing, yeah. a QA comes in, everybody. So it takes yeah. it takes a long time it, at some point takes, to yeah. build but even something small, right? Some, to change yeah, something. because if you also split the features in smaller chunks and then you try to deliver small iterations hmm. then you can also make it like deliver more often and frequent so reducing the scope of the features yeah so you can break it like into smaller pieces and then deliver to the users frequently some value hmm. that, yeah that's also really nice so breaking down that for instance i'm going to say something absurd but for instance, instead of introducing the new tab in an app, you introduce a new button first, and mm -hmm. then from the button you add some some more details, and then yeah. you keep adding. Okay, so that the business can keep actually <laughs> delivering. Otherwise, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah. Because also, impossible. like if you do it for a long time, like uh, try to develop for several months, and then what if it doesn't work? Like you hmm. release it to the users, and what if they don't use it or don't see so like value in it? You are showing how it's critical and crucial to have an iterative process. Yeah, it's to get agile, fast feedback. Somehow agile, an agile process where you deliver constantly small yeah. uh, parts of, of a feature of, of some business value and, and you do it constantly. Otherwise, for a company like that, where you have to do a lot of yeah. testing, imagine a big feature, it's going to take years before yeah, it's exactly. released. And, and then, then you don't know if it's like going to be used. Yeah, and also wow. it's important to have proper um, tracking and monitoring around the feature so that you know if it makes sense to the user if there is some value for them. Hmm. And this is man like this is more manual like you have 
people watching the graphs and, and following the graphs. So it, it's right, partially manual, partially automated. So you could also have some automated monitoring and alerts mm. that in case, I don't know, the feature doesn't perform well, then you would get a notification for the team to look at it. per feature. It could be per feature, out. per service. So yeah, it depends hmm. on how it's structured. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And um, talking about manual versus automation, because in this case there is a good mix. So there are, as far as I know, there are uh, <laughs> manual <laughs> testers, you know, and uh, automation testers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not. It could be, yes. It's very uh, often met that companies have even uh, separate roles for automation uh, engineers, like quality engineers and manual uh, quality engineers. Uh, however, for example, at N26, we don't have this separation. So we are all just uh, software quality engineers. And we do not only manual, but also automated. Tests. together yes everything okay. together so uh, I think also what I have seen from my experience that there are many good automation engineers hmm. they are good at coding but they would still require most of the time someone from let's say manual testers to mm -hmm. tell them what tests to automate okay because okay. Okay. many just so focus like on coding as a, as a tool yeah, but for me, it's more important that you have all of those skills. So yes, maybe you you will not be great at coding, but you learn over the mm -hmm. time. You improve, especially if you work also with the developers. Change, yeah, you change the code and language yeah. all the time. So how and can then you keep? It's up also with that? interesting it's for quality engineers to also develop themselves. So not to always do manual. Do you testing. actually code? Like, do yeah. you write code? Yeah. So what, what kind of? Um, because at N twenty six, yeah, we have. Um, like our system is Without divided into backend, yeah, backend stuff yeah. and front-end okay. part. And then, uh, of course, we would try to cover most of the automated tests on lower level, like at backend if possible, mm -hmm. because IQ the tests test are unit tests, integration, also end-to-end -end flows, so mm -hmm. like at API level, so that those are running much faster and most of the time they're not really flaky, okay. so they would give you proper results. And with the UI part, um, yes, you should have, I would say, like a very limited amount of tests there mm -hmm. just to go through the, like an end-to-end -end flow where you test the user flow. But all the other tests you should have at lower levels because they're much faster and more reliable. I've seen testing uh, for especially e-commerce with some tools that actually take snapshot and mm -hmm. some sort of screenshot of the page. So they take... They keep yeah. they, they they make a picture of the page or the app how it is now and then they make a picture of the page after the change yeah. and they have they some compare. kind of uh, threshold where they say if this line is like five percent mm -hmm. uh, has a five percent difference in pixels then then you should report an error and should fail. This yeah. is we also have use, we also right? have this. Because you can break even the, the design. Yeah, because, so uh, right? for example, the snapshot tests in our company are written by the developers, front-end developers. Mm. Yeah. Um, so they usually check that the elements are properly on the screen, like they're not not fitting onto the screen or after the next release, mm. something changed. I so you kind of compare <laughs> that the, the app still looks the same as it looked the previous release. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I find it really useful because those are also much faster than what you would have. And it will save you time. Yes. You will also see it, but it, yeah. it could be done. Because uh, of course quickly. mistakes happen. What do you think, like, uh, what do you think is something that it's close to impossible or really, really hard to automate in testing? Like, is there something that you think, mm, that would be tricky to do? Yeah, of course. It also there are some limitation of the tools that you cannot really do. Uh, for example, um, recently I also reading was reading an article about automating PDFs. Okay. And like the like generation. No test uh, content okay. of a PDF okay. file. Okay. So. Uh, it usually it is considered like impossible, but now there are ways to do it. It's also like kind of snapshot testing, where you would compare the. Content. What would you test in a PDF? You test I know because maybe way. let's say for a bank, mm -hmm. you could have a balance statement, right? A document, okay. generate a document, and then you want to check that the content is properly generated after you did some change, hmm. and then without having to go manually to check uh, the content of the file. You'd have this yeah, automated. I can imagine that being very useful for terms of service. Yeah. And yeah, impress them. So you, if you have some legal requirement, you can actually write a test where you say, now the legal requirement is that, make sure that in every page of our app or mm. our service, this is reported correctly. Yeah. That, would, that would be cool. Even just mentioning the law and you know, making sure that yeah. this law is mentioned there at least, for instance. Yeah. Hmm. But but okay. From but from there, even in that case, from going to let's make sure this law is mentioned, this paragraph is there. To let's see if this paragraph makes sense with the one mm -hmm. before. That would be something that would be very hard. Yeah, definitely. To to to, to automate yeah. because it will have some kind of reasoning between the paragraphs, even in a, in the documents, right? So even before automating, you would usually also go manually through the flow, like the feature that you uh, developed. To see if it makes sense, like right, because an automated test is something that you tell the test what to check, and like it will only check that. But sometimes it, it like it will not uh, be able to see anything apart from that, right? So it will not. Depend. It will not be like a user, you know. That yeah. says, Oh, let's see what happened. Yeah. Or let's just <laughs> click this button a thousand times. Yeah, exactly. The, the view is not changing. Then like, yeah. you do that as well. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you do like yeah. I've seen some like. Maybe that's not the case anymore, but I've seen uh, quality engineers like literally trying to break stuff by, you know, clicking a thousand times somewhere, doing crazy things, you know, putting text where it should be numbers, numbers where it should be mm -hmm. text, like trying to come up with ideas or ways to actually break it, to yeah. see if, where it breaks and what is uh, probably what is acceptable and mm -hmm. what is not. Right? Yeah. So I, for example probably would not go into clicking a thousand times into uh, the, on a button. Maybe if I wanted to, I would probably write an automated test to do that for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's true that I think um, like greater part apart from automated tests is exploring the app. So um, I would go first from like a feature and seeing what are the risks that this feature can bring in for the user. Mm -hmm. Like, based, based on those risks, I would come up with questions like, how would the app behave if I did this? Yeah, or, or in the case of N26 uh, or a bank in general, or an app for a bank, you will be making sure, for instance, some uh, sensitive content is not oh, yeah. displayed. That's right? very it's important. Not shown. 
That's very important. <laughs> people would freak out. Or even the number, you know, if you put a minus where it should be a plus. Yeah. yeah. I would freak out. <laughs> like the other day, I, I made a mistake of seeing a bank statement in my bank account where I mistakenly seen uh, a plus where it should be a minus oh. or the opposite. I don't Probably the opposite the to opposite. freak you out more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the opposite actually. Yeah, it was a plus and I've seen a minus. And I freaked out. I started calling the company, asking yeah. them, why did you charge me? And they said, well, we didn't charge you. Yeah, <laughs> Give so you back see. money. It's just probably it a mistake that you, like, that, yeah. just a visual mm-hmm. mistake. Maybe the money is, like, safe, but it makes you panic. Yeah, yeah. and calls, like, I can imagine, you know, N26, there is a tiny, tiny bug where you see a minus instead of a plus. <laughs> you get 100,000 calls, Yeah. messages everywhere. So that's also like a purpose. Like some, a big responsibility yeah. So it's also purpose of quality is. engineers and the team to make sure that we don't increase the load on customer service. Okay, we yes. try to reduce this by providing better uh, user experience by providing features without information issues. Maybe. Yeah. Information, so right. it's like very important to also like educate the users how to use the features. So this is often forgotten like not taken into account let's say you're moving a button from one screen to another hmm. how will the user know that this change happened if we don't tell them so so that's a, a very human part of it yeah. of, of that job um how do you see i have two questions how do you see the future of <laughs> of this work like wh- what do you think will be in in five years, I know it's really hard yeah. because the technology is changing so fast. And even like two years ago, yeah. there was a different way of testing. But without going like too much into details, like we will have this tool or this other tool. How do you think that will be integrated into companies? From what I've seen and from what you told me now, it seems like before testing was put somehow at the end, just making sure that mm-hmm. the user doesn't find the issue before the company which is, yeah, the minimum that you can do. And now it seems like it's shifting and going all the way at the beginning, but isn't really at the beginning of the process yet. I mean, it depends. Like it could be like also, especially with this new way of doing quality. Um, I think it's really crucial for the managing people, like the product people, PMs, yes, to involve the quality engineers as soon as possible even when discussing so an idea like with yes. the stakeholders sit at the table also QA I would say table. so yeah I, I see them as a key role mm-hmm. in that, delivering a feature so yeah. I would say that for future I would love to see more and more companies adopt this new model of quality engineering so that Everyone learns how to test, learns to think about quality at all times. And this is quite uh, fun because I was reading this book um, called Inspired. Hmm. Um, Anna Zawilinska actually <laughs> recommended me. Um, and it's about how to be a PM. Um, and it's interesting because in this book, it's already mentioned that. Hmm. It says, you know, as soon as you have a new feature or anything and you are into the planning, all the stakeholders, everybody that may be interested should sit at the table together. Yeah. And this is not really the case in most companies or startups where you think some people would just join at the end. Like actually uh, in this book, 
what I was reading is that even marketing should be at the very beginning. Yeah. Communication, PR, like literally everybody that may have, um, yeah, that may be affected by this change yeah. or introduction of a feature should sit there. So what is happening is that QA now is, it's on the table as yeah. well. While yeah. before it was kind of considered, oh yeah, it's just, uh, it's just at the end of it. Yeah. They're just making sure. Because also like one of the roles that we also have is thinking about improving the processes. So it's not only about the product of the feature, making sure that it's well developed, but also the, pro uh, the processes. So how do we deliver our product to the end users? This also involves like making sure that uh, we involve customer service, the marketing, that they know about the change that is coming. Hmm. So it's important to have the processes around that so that whenever you do changes and in our company these are constant changes they are informed about the changes and they know how to react and, and now this uh, involvement of all these people comes as a necessity right yeah. because once you start being that big yeah. every every little thing has more effect and more impact on the business even Correct. the business yeah. has to do it yeah so you need to be and like so in order to be out. efficient you really need to have good processes in place that everyone is following so it's really it's really funny just uh, no it's really funny like how how this happens now at most companies i see that in the planning phase pm is sitting at the table developers and maybe somebody from management that is actually you know talking mm -hmm. about it but that's it and then all the other people are outside and they just depend on them and and then strange things happen you know miscommunication yeah. Marketing doesn't know what to do or wants to do it anyway. The developers are not sure. It's 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 really intriguing, and I, I like how this uh, how QE it's already fitting in the picture. It's maybe the beginning of of uh, common understanding that things yeah. should be done in that way. Because for example, makes more sense for why it's also important to have QEs in the beginning, like planning for a feature, is that traditionally everyone just thinks about the development part. Mm -hmm. And once development is done, it's like, oh, but how do we test this? Because most of the times it's not so trivial to test mm. some of like the features. The hidden parts. Yeah, like maybe it's not some... something that you can see on the UI level that you can click on it. Maybe it's something just on the backend, mm. but you still have to test it. So it's important to, in the planning, to also think about testability. So how do we plan to test this feature? Do we need to build something additional for to help us test? So that's also effort, right? Because if you don't think about this effort at the beginning, then mm. you have an estimation. And then when you come to testing, it's like, oh, but this requires like two more days, for example. I mean, I'm just making this up, but okay, it yeah, could happen. Yeah, sense, so it's really important. Um, we're talking a lot about testing, but what if there was no test? No test at all. <laughs> Do you imagine a world in which developers are not testing anything? No. <laughs> they don't exist. They just, you know, I mean, there are companies that are not testing anything. Oh, or they're testing in a very weird yeah. way. I hope there are no companies that don't test at all. <laughs> I mean, they probably don't succeed. Yeah. We don't but hear of that. Really, it's like if you want to succeed and have a product that the users will want to use, you really need to test. So, like, it's really important. I cannot imagine having a company successful if you don't test the service or the product that you're providing because people make mistakes. Yeah. Like, everybody's it's human. human factor. Mm -hmm. And 
you have to have some processes in place to make sure that you find those issues before releasing a product. And even when other humans are testing other humans, it doesn't even give you the guarantee that you yeah. know, everything is covered, that everything is perfect. And also, you'll never still, be able to find all of the issues. That's like impossible. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you will try to find as many as possible and minimize like the problems. The risk yeah. um, as much as possible. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> no, I really hope that QA goes more into uh, on, in, in, on, into this direction, more and more. Yeah. And, and not just that, all the roles um, in a company and then like product management is done in a, in a nice way. Yeah, really because, good way, because nowadays that's uh, user, users use a lot of more features, apps, and they're expecting a certain level of quality for the products. And especially for such mm. important products like a bank application. You have to have a certain level of quality. Yeah, and all kinds of services now are becoming digital, you know, tax declaration, banking, yeah. of course, all sort of e-commerce, even getting a loan now can be done with an app. Yeah. So you can just like click a few buttons. Like that's also really important, <laughs> critical, you know, that this shows the correct stuff and yes. the right result. So yeah, in some industries, uh, even more important than others. Um, but apart from testing, <laughs> You also do something very peculiar, and that's why we have this uh, little unicorn. I don't know if this is, I don't know, in, uh, I'm trying to make this uh, better in the camera, and I don't know if the focus is there, but it's like a unicorn made entirely of yarn, in, of yarn in, the, in crochet. Or Correct, yeah, using crochet. the crochet, it, yeah. crochet, crochet technique. It's a crochet unicorn, I love it. Yeah. Actually, I used to love unicorns a lot. Yeah, I ate <laughs> one uh, somewhere there. Um, and you make this as well. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of time, doesn't it's it? It's a hobby that I discovered recently in the last three or four years. Okay. Um, so, like, the basic stitches to be able to do such a toy, I learned in school, like, in the early classes. Uh, okay. But they didn't teach us, of course, to do this. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody would be a testing engineer. It would be, yeah. <laughs> everybody would be doing this, and we have a, a word that is very fluffy. Yeah, so <laughs> full of unicorns. Actually, it's not really hard to do it because you can see it's basically the same stitch all over. It's just a combination of putting more stitches or decreasing and making. Smaller. So yeah, you were saying that to do, for instance, the face, you will start from one spot and then yeah, go, go around, around. Make the circle. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and then go on and to connect. And I guess this is one part. Yes. There is like correct. one leg is one part, the other leg of the, the body, the body is another yeah. part. And uh, you leave, uh, for instance, with the body connected to the arm, you leave uh, a hole. Yeah, 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 you have you a hole, really and then so you, you fill it in. You could in also, yes, <laughs> correct. You could also do it sometimes as one piece. It's a bit more difficult okay. because you really have to plan around. It's much easier if you have some separate pieces and then you put them together. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, sometimes you can also do it like as a one piece. It's a bit more and, tricky. And this, uh, this unicorn that I'm holding now, it's done in one piece. No, this is separate pieces. Yeah, it's all different pieces. So you've you've done the horn, horn, 
and then Base. you attach it. Yeah. A few buttons for the eyes. It's a bit of a like a Rasta, <laughs> a Rasta unicorn. Yeah. Right? It's, really it's really really cute. <laughs> and yeah, I've tried. Like we've seen, I've tried before to <laughs> learn that. Like I watched a video on YouTube before you came on how to do crochet, and when you watch it, or somebody Easy, right? knows how to do it. <laughs> It seems like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. And then it's absolutely not. Yeah. Because it's like she's doing something like this. <laughs> I don't know. It was really hard. And then, you know, somehow yeah. this thing was there. And then it just, just turned it. And then, bam, you have this. Yes. You have a unicorn. No, it's, it's super hard. How long does it take for you, for instance, to do this? Um, yeah, of course, it depends on the level of skills that you have. Um, but it's quite a tedious job, especially when you have a lot of details. Also, like just putting this yarn here, oh. attaching it, yeah. could take you a couple of hours. Wow. Because that's so many pieces. Oh, each one of those yes. hair is... So you yeah. have to cut them the right length, oh, then you wow. have to attach it. But... Um, the tail. <laughs> yes, interesting. The tail. So you you with crochet, you can do uh, some sort of, how would you call it, elliptic <laughs> Mm, is it like a there, I'm sure there is a math formula for this? For yeah, this like a yeah, DNA. Well, they, if you actually follow, for yes. Sure. And, hmm. um, and yeah, so but how, it, it how takes, roughly, it takes how, time. How, would, how much would it take if you say, if I would say, okay, let's do this again? So if you'd you were to sit just and do this, hmm. probably it would. This one, I think it took me like two days, but okay. full days. Full. I was so doing it in the weekend. Hours yeah, for that. I usually do them in the evenings after work when I feel like it, and I usually do like two to three hours while watching a movie. And and that's I guess it's relaxing, right? Yeah, it is very relaxing. Do you need because I, my grandma and my mom and some women of my family actually do it and did it in the past. <laughs> not not so much anymore, but I remember my mom doing it. Um, do you need to watch? <laughs> This while you do it, or yes. because I I remember seeing some people even in the train that they don't yeah, they need just to watch it. it. Is, yeah. this, is this the case with that? Is this crochet or something else? Uh, you could also have knitting where you usually do it with needles. Yeah. And oh yeah. Oh, yeah, you'd that. usually use two of them or sometimes more. Uh, with the crochet, you just need a hook and the yarn. But I would say that if you do a scarf, for example, yes, mm. you can do that without counting because usually it goes in like rectangular form and then you mm. just finish a line and then move to another with the toys it's quite different because mm. you really have to follow like to count the number of stitches that you do so you need to be extremely focused on yes. that maybe listen to a podcast but not watch a movie uh, watching movies but you also like can put a marker for each round okay. so that you can if you make a mistake you can quickly come back like undo it wow. until a point is it easy to undo it? Oh, it's very easy and it's also like very... I like that part yeah. as well. Like, I hate to do it, but you pull it and it's like a nice feeling when you do it. Wow. That's, <laughs> sounds, I don't know. I, I don't even imagine it, but it seems satisfying somehow. Yes, it is. Um, so, and, so you started a few years ago, you said, um, and you do it after work, but, and it's, it's relaxing. Um, so I read somewhere that it even helps you reduce stress, mm -hmm. right? Is it the case? Yeah, it's and your for me. I mean, it depends. There are some people that are not very patient, so you really have to be patient while doing this because mm. it's 
repeating most of the same stitches all over all over and mm. if for example something is not going right then you would get mad for example and just throw it away and not do it <laughs> so it requires patience but also because you do the same stitches most of the time it's very relaxing so you kind of also don't really think a lot about it but you do it it's very and manual you, yeah and then you kind of are concentrated on this thing and don't think about anything else the problems and then you yeah. can kind of ex escape a bit from some sort of meditation yes like I for me i see that uh, i i see uh probably understand your feeling because when i do any kind of sport or exercise and feel the same you detach like, a bit yeah, for yeah. for a short amount of time or even sometimes even when i wash dishes Right? Yeah. It, it's, so it's you focus on one feeling. thing, yeah, right? It's very simple. Well, yeah, it's it takes what it takes, but it's very manual, and you can detach from completely from the rest and just do this one thing yes. and do it well. It's uh, it's really nice, and then it comes out like super super nice. Super and, yeah. nice. I, mean, I love it. Look, it feels like as a already a character. Like, <laughs> it's funny, and you have a lot of them. Uh, I do don't have, have a lot of page, them no? at home. Yes. I usually uh, make them as gifts. Mm -hmm. So colleagues, I, colleagues, friends, friends, most of the time. So, like for example, when it's someone's birthday, and I think it's a really nice uh, gift to give because it's handmade. You put a lot of yes. effort and love into Beautiful. it. So, yeah, it's like at home I have just this, and I think just one, another small one. But, but I have a lot of them that I have given to people. Huh? That's really nice. <laughs> Do you put any kind of signature? No. Right? Like you paint something. <laughs> my, yeah, my husband you was could, telling right? me that yeah. I should have a mark yes. somewhere. I, I, agree <laughs> I agree with him. Like you a signature. Put some kind of signature, even like one black or yeah. one specific, I don't know, style. It yeah. could be cool. Huh? Probably. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's unnecessary. But I've seen it in your Instagram. Like you have uh, a lot of them. Yeah. Like a lot of pictures. If you want, you can share. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, um, I can put it in the uh, yeah. description. But what is it again? It's called Fluffy Weirdo. Fluffy Weirdo. <laughs> yeah, also Fluffy from Toys. I mean, yeah. cool. So yeah, there is definitely somebody at N26 that has your Fluffy Weirdo toys. Yes. Like, I started this uh, in my previous job. So most of my teammates got one. Okay. And here... Uh, fewer of them got it but now it's like uh, if I don't do it for someone's birthday it's like oh you don't like me why oh didn't you make one for me oh, no. so it's also a oh, bit of a pressure it's super <laughs> pressure especially given the fact that it takes you a week yeah. imagine day. you have several birthdays in a wow. week <laughs> it's if, like I like to now I'm getting into I like plants in general and it would be like thinking of, you know, making um, a cutting or giving a cutting of a plant for every friend's yeah. birthday. Like you have to plan this five weeks ahead yes. and have it there. So wow, what I usually be, do, I don't give it to everyone. So I usually give it to people that I really like. Okay. And what they do, like, that's, I know like, when it's their that's birthday. That's going to be compromising for you yes. once this goes out. Because then everybody you don't give it it's to. It's okay, they know. I feel like she doesn't like me. It's okay, they, they know. Oh, wow. <laughs> you kind of have to earn it, you know? Yeah, okay. I mean, it takes a lot of work. Yes. You cannot just do it for everybody. It would be impossible. So I Not usually impossible. just look at people's birthday and then I kind of plan it, like, know that, okay, 
I have two birthdays coming in the next weeks and I should plan ahead so that I don't leave it all to the end so it's not really stressful. It would be also really cool to give it, uh, I'm thinking, as a wedding present. Yeah. Now you do the two people yeah. <laughs> and, and you made them in crochet. It would be so cute. Cool. Maybe they're holding hands and they cannot be split. And yeah. it's, it's really... Yeah, I give it but this you know what I find the most difficult? is because I try for everyone to find something special and close to the person that I'm giving yeah. it to. So you kind of have to know the person, what they like, because you won't give to anyone like an animal, for example, yeah. or maybe someone likes characters, some characters, and then I would try to make a character that so that this present is mm-hmm. like enjoyable for the person. That's really nice. That's so, really yeah. Sweet. Really <laughs> and there is... Um, is there something that you've learned about crochet? Well, that something that crochet has taught you um, that is useful for your work and there is something in your work that you found very useful when then starting to do crochet. I think you started to do crochet after you, you were already working yeah. as a QE. Yeah. Is there anything in common? Is there anything that you think? Yeah, I think one of the main things for me is really the patience. So also in my work, I learned that I really have to be very, very patient with Mm. people because I have to work with a lot of people like daily to interact with them. And it's like, it takes a lot of energy, to be honest, because everyone is different. You have to find a way to approach them. So it's really important to be patient. And as well as with doing toys, uh, making the toys, you really have to be patient so that you finish actually what you started. <laughs> and hmm. that's also really another nice. thing is like also related for quality. Um, it's like I'm really, really passionate about quality in general in all its forms. So not only when talking about work and final products, but also in everything that I do. So here it's also really important to have good quality so that your final product oh, looks yeah. nice. nice. Here it's very clear. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it like you see. If, if you mess up the face of that guy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna look weird. <laughs> Maybe you also, wouldn't yeah, want I, to give it as a gift if it doesn't really yeah, look well. Yeah, and you wasted a week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and here, yeah, I can see how this can also tell you how important it is to put QA at the beginning <laughs> of the process. No, it seems like a joke, but it's true. Like, if you don't plan this well, mm-hmm. if you don't make sure that it will look good at the end. You can make it work for sure. It will yeah. be a unicorn, but it's not going to be nice. It's not going to yeah, exactly. Good. So yeah, <laughs> this true. even tells us even more of that. Is there anything um, that you would recommend to somebody that wants to start um, your a similar career that wants to get into that? Mm. Any blog, any, you know, university? advice so what, yeah. what would be the best like the best thing to start so would be interesting. i would really anything i would really recommend um not necessarily having a degree it's always really nice uh, ha- to have a degree in computer science but with in our day-to-day life now with internet you have so many options to learn by yourself in the internet so doing different courses online for computer science would you, for example, okay, so like Udemy, yeah, Udemy, EDX, for example, like just to really understand how things work, mm-hmm. right? What it means to 
deliver a feature, a product. So to, to really get the understanding. So I think that's really trivial for a quality engineer to understand how things work. And, and you can get even into management as a career path, right? You can get more technical. Yeah. It's the same as an engineer, like software developer, not yeah. engineer, software developer. You can get more into like getting more and more technical and then evolve into an architect. Mm-hmm. Or maybe management because it, you you have a lot of communication with stakeholders, or right? Sometimes you so. could also become in some companies you have business analysts, for example. You could also go into that direction because as quality engineers, you really know the product very well, and you can also become that person that writes documentation or requirements mm. for features. So knowing how the systems work, how the users is, is use there, the app. Is there any um, particular website or particular course that you know of that uh, would you recommend? Or since are, we are in Berlin, there is anything, any school? Hmm. There are many things. Well, one of the things that I would suggest, there is this um, Slack channel hmm. for testers. And it's mm-hmm. called Testers.io. Um, so there Which you have, is worldwide and you can join. Yeah, anyone can anywhere. join, it's free. And then there's a big community of people that are involved in testing. And then they discuss different types of testing. So you have channels per specific type of testing. So for example, you are interested in backend testing or web testing or mobile testing or performance testing, for example. And there are channels specific for that. And then you can ask questions, for example, where to start or to That's ask for great. an advice, what tools to use, like so people's opinion. Testers IO yes. all together. Yeah. Testers IO on on Slack yeah. channel. That's really cool. I will put a link um, somewhere in the description of the YouTube um, so that people can check it out. And yeah. from there, probably it's like the best ways to ask the community what to do. Yeah. In case you Depending start on the case, like where you, you want to into go, it. into which direction. So. Yeah, because okay. it's also really nice to see how other people work all over the world because luckily ters- testers are in many companies. So then you can also see like based on their experience, what are they facing? How are they solving the problems? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, super helpful, super useful. I didn't know about this channel. I'll probably join because it also it's can be useful, useful for developers. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> for devs, I didn't even know it existed. So. Mm, yeah, never, never thought about it, but I'll definitely join if you have some, you know, even questions as a developer on how to test specific things or how to do snapshot yeah. testing. Any yeah, like where to start, can, and then people will just give you links to resources that you can go that's, and go find great. more details. Yeah. Okay. Then thank you very much, Veronica. It was a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having me here, and um, yeah, hope that this uh, will help spread the world about quality engineering and why quality is important and thinking about it.
Y fue esa noche así cuando él no me dijo Y ahora no me acuerdo, no me acuerdo, no me acuerdo de nada Pero eso se quise, quise, quise que me Es el bandido, bandido, bandido de amor Es el bandido, bandido de amor Con el bandido Fue una noche así Con el bandido De Perú a Paraguay Con el bandido De Colombia a Brasil Con el 